0: You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our, on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. It's gonna be a good day today. At the the end of service, we're gonna have three more baptisms today. This is like every week. Love it. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going, man. Come on, God, you keep doing what you do, right? Uh, Wasn't worship just amazing? And you're like, man, that's not all of it. There's only two songs. Well, I'm talking about worship today, and so at the end of at the end of the message, we're gonna give you an opportunity to enter in even deeper. And so I want to talk to you about worship today because. Worship is so vital to a believer's life, and worship is a believer's life. You know, I think uh, we, as we've been seeking God for these 21 days, uh, that, that if we neglect our time of worship, we're missing an opportunity to meet with Him. And I'm talking more, I'm, I'm, I'm talking more than just songs. I'm talking more than just music. Uh, worship is our life. And I'm going to dig deep into that today. But before I do that, I want to read the main passage that we're going through for this series, and today is the last week for that, but we have one more week of prayer, so make sure you're not, uh, that you come to that. If you guys have been coming every, uh, every morning at 6.30, we meet here for, and pray for about 30 minutes, and it's just a great time to do that. And I'm, I see what God's doing in your life just for those times that you're in here. I can see versus the first day you came in, that first Monday, and how you're in now and how you're, work and how you're praying and how you're entering in. I can see it on your faces. I can see it in your prayers. And it's just been so good. It's been good for me too. And so here's a passage for today, Hosea 10, 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to there. Uh, let's stand for the reading of the word if we could. Restand for important things and God's word is important. So here we go, Hosea 10:12. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time—everybody say, it is is time—to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Father, I thank you for this message today. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are still God, that you are Lord of all things. And Lord, despite what happens or doesn't, you're still in control, and we thank you for that, Lord. I just pray that you open the ears to hear, the hearts to receive. Lord, help me to speak today your word. And, God, I pray that if we leave here today, that we leave here different, that we leave here closer to you, that, Lord, that somebody today that has never experienced the love that you offer and the grace that you give and the the presence that you want to pour into our lives, that they would leave here today experiencing that. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 So like I said we've been going through these 21 days of prayer seeking God's face and we've been talking about mainly these three things how do we do this how do we how do we how do we do what Hosea is saying how do we sow righteousness how do we reap love how do we how do we break up fallow ground so we started the very first message of this was on fasting. And I just, I just gave you a clinic on fasting. Like, what is fasting? What's it look like in our lives? And how does it affect our lives? And, and fasting really is that, that, that breaking up the fallow ground, that ground that's unused, the, the rocky soil, the weeds in our lives. And, and when we take that time to remove things from our life, to, to stop maybe eating food for a while and, and, and using that time to connect with God. It's like tilling up the hard places in our hearts and God can put those things in our life that he wants to put there. And last week we talked about the importance of prayer. That prayer was a privilege. Prayer is a privilege for the believer. The fact that God even hears us is amazing. And, and so as a believer, we should never ever uh, take those things for granted. And prayer should be also every moment of our lives should be in prayer, And so we talked about how that's like planting in the seeds. It's planting in what God wants to put us. Prayer is like planting. And today I'm going to talk about worship. And so I pray that today that our hearts are fully tuned to God, that, 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 that we seek him, that all of our affections are towards him, and that our lives are fully submitted to him. And for, for us as a believer, it's, it's, it's truly being submitted to Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. And I think a lot of people get worship wrong, especially a lot of believers. We, we think that worship is just what we just did there. Like that's when we talk about worship, it's just music and it's just song. But worship is so much more than that. Worship infiltrates every facet of our lives. And, and for you and for me, I, I pray that, that as we learn today what worship is, is that we really understand that, that our whole life submitted to him is an act of worship. And that's been my cry this week. Lord, let my life be worship. Let everything about me be worship. Teach me how to worship, Lord, even in these moments that I'm not sure that you're there. <laughs> even those moments where I'm, Lord, you say you're with me all the time, but right now it doesn't feel like it, right? And so those are those moments where I'm like, Lord, teach me how to come into your presence, how to acknowledge your presence. And that's truly what worship is. It's, it's just... Acknowledging the presence of God. And so what is worship? I have some definitions for you. I love this one. Worship is the practice of expressing praise, thanksgiving, adoration, etc., to a deity or purpose, or perhaps to a reagent. So in, in a broad sense, worship is basically expressing our praise, thanksgiving or adoration to something. We all worship something, but do we worship the right things? And in the Christian life, worship can be defined as this: Christian worship is an expressed response to the glory of God. That's what it is. And in our lives, it's like this worship expressed, we're responding to the glory of God. Worship is turning our full attention toward the one who created us. And God created mankind to worship. Lexingham uh, Theological Wordbook puts it this way. Worship is a reverential response of creation to all, to the all-encompassing magnificence of God. Maybe that should be our call to worship on Sunday morning. Okay, guys, we're gonna have some reverential response to an encompassing magnificence of God. You know, instead of just hey Lord, we're just stand up and let's worship. But that's it's really a response to Him. That's what worship is, and it's more than songs. It's more than singing. It's that, but it's so much more deeper than that. Really, worship is just. Being who God created you to be. All creation worships. I love Psalm 148. It, and the, the writer of the Psalms really explains to us how all of God's creation gives glory to him. All of God's creation worships him, and it's no different for man. Psalm 148, I'm going to read it. He says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise all his saints for the people of Israel who near him. Praise the Lord. The psalmist is saying, these things that God created just naturally give him praise. The, the cedar trees, the, the animals, the stars, the moon, all these things, they're not singing, right? They're not, you don't see them singing, but they're just being what God created them to be. And in their being, they are, in fact, worshiping him. They're giving glory to God. When you look at mountains, a mountain range, when you look at the moon, when you look at the heavens and you look at the stars, it gives glory to God. Same thing with us as human beings. God created mankind to worship him. He he, he created us to give him glory, to give him praise, for our lives to glorify him in all things. And I want to say that worship is a natural response for man. And it's quite unnatural for mankind to not worship God. It's more natural for him to worship God. got some music going on. We're going to to worship right now. I'm going to start singing and it ain't going to be pretty. Okay, it stopped. Hey, we just needed, somebody thought we needed to go. Okay, Lord, we're going. Yeah, we're going right now. (laughs) But we're made to worship. People are made to work. God created mankind to worship him, to give him glory. And I want to say that worship is also a conscious decision to acknowledge God in our lives. It's it's Hosea saying to to reap steadfast love. It's us reaping what God has given to us. And so worship is really reaping. It's, It's reaping all the good things in our life, all who God is. We're gathering it up and then we're presenting it back to him. We're saying, thank you, God, for all that you've done in my life. Thank you, God, for the breath in my lungs. Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you for everything. Thank you for my money. Thank you for everything, God. And I'm giving it back to you. I'm praising you. I'm worshiping you with what you're giving. So it's reaping, but it's also giving. And so worship is a simply gathering all the good things in our life and presenting it back to God. I love what Oswald Chambers said in one of his devotions, In utmost for His Highest. I love that devotion. Highly recommend it. He says this. Worship is giving God the best that he has given to you. Be careful what you do with the best you have. Whenever you get a blessing from God, give it back to him as a love gift. Take time to meditate before God and offer the blessing back to him in a deliberate act of worship. If you hoard a thing for yourself, it will turn into spiritual dry rot, as the manna did when it was hoarded. God, I love this, will never let you hold a spiritual thing for yourself. It has to be given back to him that he may make it a blessing to others. In other words, he's saying worship is taking all that God has given to you and giving it back to him. It's us building an altar with all that God has given to us. It's us reaping all that God has given and building an altar and a place of sacrifice to give back to him. And as we see in scripture, we see people that love God, people of faith. They were altar builders. That They took all that God had given to them and they built altars wherever they were. And no one greater than this is probably Abraham. You see all in scripture, Abraham always building altars to the Lord. Wherever he went, he built an altar. He acknowledged God in every place he was. He acknowledged God in everything that was going on. And I want to, I want to t- take a passage of Scripture today about Abraham building altars and pray that that teaches us a little bit about what it looks like in our lives to worship God in everything and, and what it looks like to turn our hearts toward the Lord. Because a lot of times our affections, our attentions, uh, our, our everything about us is turned away from God but I pray that by the end of today that we are turned back to the Lord. And so I'm going to read this passage, Genesis 12, 5 through 8. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. He says this. It's a little backdrop of what's going on here. Abram was just uh, sought by the Lord. He tells Abram, Abram, leave your fam- leave everything. Like, take, take everybody and go to Canaan. I- I'm sending you to the land of promise. Leave your father's home. Leave the comfort. Leave all these things that you, that you hold dear, I want to take you out of that and put you into a new place. And so just a little side note, just an extra point here, is that as, 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 we re, as we look at Abram's life, he was a man of obedience. He did what the Lord said, and he trusted the Lord. And even in our obedience, there is worship. Obedience is worship. It's saying, Lord, I trust you in this situation. I trust that your ways are best, and I'm going to follow you. And Abraham had no idea what was waiting for him in Canaan. The Lord just said, take your family, take everybody, and go. It reminds me of a passage of Scripture where King Saul had disobeyed the Lord. Samuel had told King Saul, go take out these people. They're bad. They're going to be in your way. Take them out. Wipe them out completely. Leave nothing standing. Samuel comes back. King Saul has taken people as prisoners. He's taken the animals as, as uh as captives, he's, he's, he's hoarded things. And Samuel says, Saul, what are you doing? God told you to get rid of everything. Don't keep anything. It's all, it's all vile. It's all defiled. Get rid of it all. And and, and King Saul tells Samuel, well, I was going to keep it to offer to the Lord. I was going to sacrifice it to him. And Samuel tells Saul, you've lost your kingdom because you disobeyed the Lord. And then he tells him again, he says, that sacrifice, that obedience, sorry, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Look, there's things in our life that we just, God tells us to do, and we just need to do them. And and we can, we try to to worship it away and sacrifice it away. I'm not going to plant here forever. That's not in my notes. But I'm saying some of us, because I'm guilty, God will tell me to do something. And I'm like, well, Lord, let me pray about it. Let me worship about it. Let me, you know, it's like, (laughs) all right. And he's saying, no, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. That is worship. Obedience is worship. Okay, extra point. And so Abram, I'm going to read it. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, everything, his livestock and all his people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up a camp beside the Oak of Marah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abraham built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord. Abram's response to every time that God met him was to build an altar. Abraham was met here by these trees, he was met here by the Oak of Morah, and God told him, all this land I'm giving to you. And so in that moment, to remember what God said, to seal the promise, he built an altar and he sacrificed and he worshiped. There's something about building altars in our life that helps us remember what God has done in us. Building an altar is simply acknowledging God in that place. When the ancients would build altars, they would... Basically, it's like putting a flag in the ground saying this territory belongs to the United States, right? And when they they would build an altar, they're saying God's presence, my God's presence is right here. And Abram, every time he built an altar, he's saying my God's presence is right here. This is his territory because he met me. And so we need to, as people, build some altars in our life to realize that God is right here in every moment and every facet of our life. He built altars to worship God wherever he was. He took time to acknowledge God in the places that he went. Wherever Abram pitched his tent, there he built an altar. And so how do we, as people, acknowledge God? How do we build these altars in our lives? Because it's not easy to build altars. It's not easy to acknowledge God in all things. It's not easy to do what is written in Romans 12.1. It says this, The writer, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, he's saying, I've appealed to you. Do this, please. I'm appealing to you by the mercies of God. This is important to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He's saying, take every part of your life and offer it to the Lord. Take everything about you and give it back to him. That is your spiritual act of worship. In other words, build altars in every part of your life. Acknowledge the Lord in everything and and everywhere that your body is, everywhere your tent is, build an altar because God is there. It's true when the believer finally realizes this, there's something powerful that happens. This week in our prayer time at the end of our our prayer time at 630, I always ask this question, does anybody have anything they want to share with the Lord revealed to them? It's always kind of quiet, but somebody always speaks up. And this particular morning, Vanessa said, you know, God is God in everything. And, and what, what had happened is we usually turn the lights down like this, and we pray so people don't, you know, are undistracted. But that morning, we forgot to turn these lights on, and we had the house lights on, very bright in here and kind of common. And she said that God is still God with the lights on. That God is, God is still God. God is God even if the music's bad. God is God even if, you know, even if there's no lights. God is God even if there's no technology. God is still God. God is still present even when we don't think he can be present. And to me, that struck me as like, man, that's so good. Like God is still God even when things don't go the way I think they should. Even when things aren't going the way that I want them, God is still God. It's realizing that God is still there, that his presence is always there even when we don't feel like it. Students, I want to tell you, God is present in your hallways. He's present in your classrooms. He's present at your home. Don't take his presence for granted. Parents, God's present in your home. When you're, he's present at work. When you're driving to work, he's present, even in the traffic. Sometimes it's hard to acknowledge that, especially when people are driving you know, really bad. Right. Just this week, I was on an assignment to find a veggie tray. And when I was on my way to find this veggie tray, I couldn't find a veggie tray. And so I was getting frustrated. And I'm like, this store doesn't have one. They don't have healthy food options anywhere. I mean, there's fried chicken everywhere, but I can't find a veggie tray. And so I was kind of frustrated, irritated by that. But okay, I'm writing this message for this week talking about this. And I'm like, Lord, teach me to worship even looking for a veggie tray. Teach me to worship, to acknowledge you, even because I felt the frustration. I'm in a hurry. I'm trying to find this thing. The lights turn green. This person's not moving. And so it's like, don't honk. It's like, it's okay. And so as I felt that frustration, I'm like, Lord, teach me how to worship through this. Teach me how to acknowledge you in this. And I think it would be good for us to learn how to Truly acknowledge God's presence in our life. There's, uh, there's a old there's a friar, a monk that lived many many years ago. His name was Brother Lawrence. He wrote a book to a bunch of sisters about how he would enter into God's presence and everything that he did. He was a cook, and so he learned that to, to, to acknowledge God in everything that he did, He goes, when I cook, I acknowledge that God's with me. I cook with Him. When I, when I clean the floors, I, I clean the floors with him. When I serve my brother's dinner, I, I serve the dinner with him. He learned to practice the presence of God. And that's a book. If you want it, you should get it. Practice the presence of God Brother Lawrence. And he said this in that book. He says, I think often, and he's telling these sisters, and he's telling you and me, think often on God by day and night in your business and in your diversions. And everything, think about God. He is always near you and with you. Leave him not alone. God is never too busy. Leave him not alone. Always say, Lord, I'm so good. I'm so glad you're with me in this moment. I, I, I acknowledge you. Even in this hard time, I acknowledge you. I love what the Olympian Eric Glidell said, if you know who he is. He, the, the movie Chariots of Fire, some kind of dating myself. It's a good movie. You need to see it. But God gave him the ability to run. He was also a missionary. And he said this about what God had given to him. He said, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Do you feel God's pleasure when you're doing what God created you to do? Man, if God gave you a talent, God gave you an ability, God gave you the ability to work, do you feel his good pleasure in those moments? We should be like Eric Lydell. We should feel his good pleasure in all that we do. I also think of a, a writer I look up to, Mark Batterson, who writes good books. He wrote In a, Pit with a, sorry, long, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. He also wrote another book called All In, another book of The Circle Maker. Maybe you've heard of some of those. But Mark Batterson didn't always start out writing. It, it was when he learned and understood that his writing was a form of worship. And I remember listening to one of his podcasts and how he would write. He says, I go into my room, I lock my door, I kick my shoes off because I'm standing on holy ground. And he says, I make my writing an offering to the Lord. I make my writing as worship to the Lord. Maybe you need to make your life a worship to the Lord. Maybe go to your office and kick your shoes off. Maybe you need to realize that everything in your life can be turned back to the Lord. It's take it's that reaping and then it's also giving. It's giving it back to Him. See, everything we do in the mundane can be worship. We don't think about it. Man, let the piles of dishes be an altar. Let the pile of laundry be an altar. You know, everything that we do, we don't think about God in, but learn to make an altar wherever you are. Learn to, to, to acknowledge, God, I'm acknowledging you even in this mundane stuff that I have to do day in and day out. You know, this, this has been my prayer all week. God, teach me what it looks like to acknowledge you, even when I'm feeding my dog, when I'm, you know, getting ready for work, when I'm making my coffee. Lord, teach me to acknowledge you in everything. And it's been, a, it's been an experience. But when we learn to acknowledge him, we learn to turn our attention to him. And so I want to say this. Our main competitor for the worship of God, and this is, this is, this is going to be mind-blowing. This is like, this is, this is mega, and this is so hard to understand. Okay? Our main, what was the word? Our main competitor for worship of God is worship of other things. Whoa, that's super simple, but I'm serious. Like our main competitor for worshiping God is worshiping We're always focused either on God or focused on other things. It's like either our our minds, our hearts, our our affections are always turned towards something. But is it turned to the Lord? And so the question I have for you is how do we how do we dictate? How do we determine if we are turned to the Lord or turned toward something else? And I find it very interesting that in this story of Abram, that he pitched his tent between Ai and Bethel. And you may be saying, well, why did he do that? Maybe it was just really nice property. Maybe it was really nice land. But when you look at the meanings of the cities, you can get a spiritual reality out of this. Bethel, the word Bethel means house of God. Bethel, right? Or house of Yahweh, house of Elohim. So it's a house of God. Bethel is house of God. Ai means heap or ruin. They're both cities, and and he's kind of camped right in the middle. And here's the spiritual reality I want to point out, and this is what I feel like God's wanting to say to you and me because this is what he's spoken to me, is that we are like Abram. We're kind of camped in the middle. Like we're not fully in God's presence, and we're not supposed to be fully in the world. All the things that are going to be gone, all the ruin, all the the, uh, uneternal things, all the things that are going to burn up, that's kind of AI, ruin and heat. But we're not quite all the way in the house of God. Like we're in the house, but we're not fully in the house, right? If you're a believer, you're in the house, but you're not fully in the house. You're not in heaven yet. Like it's not completion. And so we're kind of living in the middle. Like we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so what determines if we're, if we're like have our affections turned toward Bethel or our attention toward, towards AI with simply this, which way is your tent facing? Which way is your tent facing? When you get up in the morning, what has your attention? Do you wake up and go, oh, Jesus, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for my day. Thank you that I woke up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Or do you wake up and go, oh, it's another day. I got to do this. I got to do that. Oh, man. You know, what is your focus? What is your attention? Where is your tent? Is your, is your tent toward, turned towards AI or is your tent turned towards, that's a lot, turned towards Bethel. Where is your tent turned? Where do you where do you focus? Where is your all your thoughts? Where is everything that you focus on? And we need to focus it on the Lord. What consumes your thoughts? Is it God or is it the world? Is it Bethel or is it AI? Look, I can be guilty. I, I have my tent turned the wrong way a lot of times. It, it just, in fact, and I miss like God's presence. I miss it. And, and this week, me and my wife went to a, a revival that a friend of mine's church was having, a pastor friend. And we went there and I was like, man, I really need to meet the Lord, you know, because I come here and it's Okay. I mean, I'm, that's awesome, right? But I have my mind's always in a million different places, right? Because I'm like, is, is, is this loud enough? Is the lights good enough? Are these things working? Are these things going on? Where's this person? Was this person sick? So, when, you know, I'm here. It's like it's hard to focus because you're kind of leading it. And so I'm like, man, I'm going to go to this other place. I ain't got to worry about nothing. I'm just going to enter into God, God's presence. I get there, and what happens? Man, that guy's really good. That guitarist, dude, he is awesome. And then I'm looking, it's like, man, their lights are kind of dim, I'm looking around. I'm like, man, oh, I think I know that person. And, and, then I, and I start looking around. And this is right in the middle of worship, like right in the middle. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? And I felt the Lord just check me. Neil, get your eyes off AI. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, you've been speaking to me all week, guy, because, like, this is the message. And I'm like, God, help me. Help me to acknowledge you. Help me to drop it. Help me to turn my attention towards you. Help me to to see you in all things, God. Help me to stop looking at all the stuff that doesn't matter. Who cares? Who cares if the lights aren't great? Who cares if the technology is not working? Who cares if if the stuff's off? It doesn't matter. That stuff's not going to last. That's not eternal. Focus on the eternal. Focus on Bethel. Don't focus on AI. And and so I had to, to make the choice in that moment to turn my tent. It was a conscious decision. I had to stop what I was doing and realize my focus and my attention is on the wrong thing. God, I'm giving that to you, and I'm going to worship you in this moment. Because everybody else was already in there. Like, there was some good worship going on. But I wasn't entering in because I was so caught up. And this is what I pray that these 21 days that we're going through help us to do. It's like turning our tents. It's like, it's. <laughs> I was talking to Christian about this message, and he's like, it's kind of like putting yourself on a lazy Susan. And it's like allowing God to go, hey, pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. That's, that's really what we need to be doing as believers. We need to allow the Lord to pull our attention back to him and to turn our tents towards him. And it's a conscious decision, just like I have to conscious decision to pitch my tent in a certain direction. You like my dinosaurs? Right? Because when I get up in the morning from camping, what's the first thing I want to see? Something beautiful, something nice. I'm not going to like turn it toward the dumpster, right? But some of us, it's kind of our life. Like our tents are torn toward, towards the dumpster, towards ruin. And that's all we see when we get up. That's all we, that's all we recognize. But if we turn around, we see this beauty that God has put out there. And so as believers, we need to have a conscious choice to turn our tents, to turn our attention, to turn our affection To him, it's not going to be easy, but we have to do it. And I do want to say this. I think that singing and music and worship is the best way to do that. Now, we do that through prayer. We do that through fasting. But there's something about worshiping and music and song that changes my heart every time. There's something about a song that can just shift me and change who I am. I wrote this about music. There's nothing like singing to focus our hearts on the Lord. When we come together to worship, our mouths are speaking of the goodness of God. When we come together for worship, our bodies are moving to his grace. When we come to worship, our minds are tuned to him. When we come to worship with music and songs, our hearts are turned towards him. Because here's the thing, music is the language of heaven. In a couple weeks, we're going to dive into Revelation. And you'll see in that book Worship going on in heaven all the time. Worship is happening. God created mankind to worship. He created everything to give him honor and to give him glory. And and here's the thing about music. It's cultural. Every culture has their own music. Why? Because God created mankind to make music unto him. We just often use it the wrong way. We're focusing the wrong way. I love Psalm 103. It talks about this idea of worshiping with all that we are. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. All that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless, O the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. How do we acknowledge him? It's, it's forgetting not all his benefits. It's saying, Lord, I'm going to bless you with everything that I am. Mind, body, soul, emotion, everything. And here's the benefits. This is why we can praise him. This is why we can turn our tents towards him, because he forgives all of your iniquity. He forgives all your sins. How can you not worship him? Because he forgave everything. He forgave all of your iniquity. I love that. It says, all your iniquity. And then he goes on to say, he heals all your diseases. God is the healing God who redeems your life from the pit. I don't know about you, but when the Lord found me, I was in a pit. He pulled me out of that pit. And so I have... A reason to worship. I have a reason to acknowledge him. And then he goes on to say, who crowned you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies you with good? Man, there's something about the Lord that just satisfies. Nothing on this world can give it. Nothing. With good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You're going to soar because God is good. God gives us what we need. So what does it mean to bless his name? To bless his name? It's it's learning to give God a full body response. Like, what do you mean? Well, if God created all of us, all, all the parts of us, then all the parts of us should worship him. Bless the Lord, Oh, my soul and all that is within me, all of myself should worship him. And so when you sing and when you worship, there's many ways that people do this to kind of engage their mind, their body and their soul. And so today, maybe I'm I'm talking to you that have a hard time with worship. You're not sure like you come and you want to worship, but you're not sure like how to really connect with God. Maybe you need to change the way you're doing some things. Maybe you need to change your posture a little bit when you come in. It's saying, Lord, I'm, I'm posturing myself to receive from you. Many do this by raising of hands. Raising of hands is biblical. And I love to go, I ain't raising my hands. That's weird. I'm going to raise my hands. But when you look in scripture over and over and over, the Lord says to raise up holy hands, to lift up your hands in praise. Psalm 134 says, come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by day and night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands To the holy place and bless the Lord. This is worship. Lift up your hands. When Paul was writing Timothy, he was telling Timothy to tell the men of the church, tell the men of the church to lift up holy hands. This is lifting up holy hands. This is saying, Lord, I'm surrendering. This is is holy hands. Then you also see some people in scripture, how they, they posture themselves different. They fall to the ground and worship. Job is a great example of this. Everything was taken from Job and his response was to worship and how did he respond how did he worship he fell to the ground. He fell to the ground and just humbled himself to the Lord. And you also see shouts to God with praise. Loud praise. Loud praise. Psalm 47:1 says, "Oh clap your hands for all you peoples, shout to God with a voice of triumph." You know there's sometimes when only a shout will do. Have you ever been in those moments? Like you're you're like it's been a bad day and all you can do is is shout or maybe God has done something amazing in your life and you shout for victory? Look, people shout at sporting events. People shout at concerts. I've been to both. But yet when it comes to church, I can't shout. I can't. Like, oh what what people think? You don't care what they say at the Cowboys game. I mean, come on. Shout of praise. Say, God, thank you for my life. Shout of praise. Dancing. Now you're getting crazy, Pastor. You know, in Scripture, many times people would dance before the Lord. David danced before the Lord. If you watch Footloose, you know that reference. David danced before the Lord. He danced so much his clothes fell off. Make sure you wear some good clothes when you dance. But dancing is is giving honor to him. It's it's moving your whole body to him. Singing, Psalm 96. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. A new song. Look, I love old music. I love old hymns. But sometimes we need to sing a new song. There's, There's times in my life where I'm trying to, like, God has done something in me, and the only response is to sing. The only response is to make a song to him. Even if it doesn't sound good, he doesn't care. He made your voice, he wants to hear it. Sing a new song to the Lord. Also, we see people just being silent. And Revelation talks about this hour of silence. Like silence can be worship. There's many times here even, we've had moments of silence and it's not like, hey, everybody be silent, it's God's here. His manifest presence is thick. We can't worship like this. We can't play songs. We can't sing. The only response is to sit there and be quiet and soak in his presence. That happened this morning when we were in our prayer time. Like, we were just praised, like, let's just invite here. And it was just, there was a presence. And I'm like, God, I know we got church starting in a few minutes. but I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave this. And here's the beauty is we don't have to leave that. Like, we have to go through our day and day. But worship is truly just giving our life to Him, acknowledging Him in all things. We can have that presence in our life if we just allow Him to do that. And I find it disconcerting when, when people come to me and say, "You know, I like church. I like the sermon, but I really don't care for the music." Or, you know, I could I could care less if we had the worship or not. But I want to tell you, if you're missing out on half of the whole message. Worship is a message within itself. When when we sing, we're singing of the glory of God. We're we're giving him the praise that's due to his name, and it's getting into our hearts. Maybe, have you ever had, like, been on the radio, listened to the radio, and a song came on from, like, 20 years ago? And you can sing it note for note. Like, how do I remember that song? Because it was to a tune. There's something about words mixed with music that sticks in our hearts. And I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I'm going through a hard time or even God's been doing something amazing in my life, and automatically a song will come out, a song about his goodness. And and, and so singing helps us to hold on to that. And I want to say this quote from A.W. Tozer. It's a very strong quote. But he says, Any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven because that's all you do in heaven. And so I pray that you're not bored by worship, that you really enter in and that you take time to turn your tents towards Bethel. And so the reason we only did two songs at the beginning is because we're going to give you a chance to practice this, to turn your tent. And we're going to give you liberty and freedom to do whatever you want to do. I know that's scary. If you want to shout, shout. If you want to cry, cry. If you want to dance, dance. If you want to... Be silent, be silent, but stretch yourself. Maybe lift your hands for the first time and acknowledge God in this place. Acknowledge God in your life. Worship is reaping. Reap his goodness and give it back to him. Amen. So would you stand with me? They're going to lead us in some music, some songs, and then we're going to do some baptisms. And it's going to be awesome. But right now, we just need to focus. And so I'm going to pray and ask God to help us focus. And then we're going to enter into some amazing time with the Lord. Lord, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this message. God, help us to always turn our tents towards your presence. God, for our hearts to be towards you. Lord, I pray that as we enter to worship, God, that people would break out of the normal, break out of their comfort, and enter into your presence, God. Lord, that they would enter in in a way they've never entered in before. God, that they would feel your presence in a way they've never felt before. God, that they would just acknowledge you in a way they never have before. God, you are so real and you are so good and you are so amazing. How can we not worship you? And so, Father, I pray now that as we enter in, that you meet us, that your presence is here. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.